0: Oh, coming to you while wearing his Cobra hat. Yes, that Cobra, you know, G.I. Joe. <laughs> actually, this hat that I'm wearing right now, of course, you're not seeing any video, um, but whatever. Anyway, you can just trust me that I'm wearing a Cobra hat here and adjusting my microphone if you heard some funny noises. So this hat, um, I actually had to get a Cobra patch for it some time ago, uh, very specifically like Cobra flag patch, you know, Cobra, the, 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 the quote unquote villains and GI Joe. Of course I'd argue they're actually the heroes. Um, but anyway, uh, when the rock did his recent, uh, new drop of whatever merchandise that he puts out there, um, I picked up one of his hats, you know, from, from under armor and it came with, this is part of like the whole veterans line or whatever at the time, the whole respect line, whatever, uh, that I complained about properly on a, uh, maybe that was like the, was that the Castlevania review where I did that, which is kind of fitting considering what we're going to talk about later on in this episode and your sovereign tech, Patreon only Wednesday Q and a, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, and Z's. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I complained about this, but um, but I picked up this hat. It's a great hat, actually. It's a it's a damned great hat to work out in. Also, you know, his headphones, the Rock's headphones, are are great to work out in as well. Um, but it came with an American flag patch, you know, and it has a you know the your standard hook and loop or Velcro kind of thing on the front where you can uh, you know put a flag patch there. Uh, obviously, there's no way in goddamn hell I was going to wear an American flag. And even if it is triple black, which the flag was, um, wouldn't mind. No, never mind. I'm not going to say that uh, anyway. <laughs> so i uh yeah, I, I I had a cobra flag patch that fits exactly what is it, two by three inches here, exactly onto the hat, and so I put the cobra thing on you know, cobra flag on there, and it looks fantastic. Um, that's a well, it's not exactly a flag, it's just the symbol, you know the cobra flag is it there is a cobra flag, but it looks kind of different from this. It's just a cobra symbol. Um, someone uh, made a <laughs> funny joke about me and flags, but anyway, uh, there there you have it, and you know, speaking of that this is going to lead to a couple things. So a lot of, I did get a question recently. Uh, somebody must've been digging really, really, really deep in the Patreon archives, shall we say, the Sovereign Tech Patreon archives, because you got to remember. So if you're a new patron and I know there's a couple of new ones, if you're a new patron, There is, as I say on every episode of Sovereign Tech Prime, there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours. Well, I don't know if there's that many thousands, but there's thousands of hours of content available to you on Patreon, in the Patreon feed. And not just, you know, there's lots of other stuff, too, not just audio content, but there certainly is thousands of hours of audio content. And someone must have listened way back where I revealed that at the time, and this would have been maybe a year or two ago, that Actually, it's probably two years ago that I was going to do a new podcast called CobraCast. Now, the person asked me, what happened with that? Are you doing it secretly? Can we not find it? What's, what's the deal here? So at some point, it might be fun to release. I actually recorded like two episodes of this. I had, I had a very interesting plan for it. In fact, I'm surprised I had a plan for it that no one else, some of the podcast ideas I had for the show, nobody picked up and ran with. I don't know why, but uh, but, you know, maybe I'll just use them at a later date. So here's here's the quick, you know, to answer this quick question. And then this is going to get into another subject. But to answer this quick question, um, what happened with CobraCast? I actually recorded a couple episodes of this. It might be fun to release those. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if I do. Um, but I recorded a couple episodes. And the reason that I stopped was like I was planning a very big rollout and everything and it was it was going to be a great time um, because and CobraCast sorry for those that don't know what this was supposed to be about it was supposed to be about uh, G.I. Joe okay about like G.I. Joe fandom uh, you know do reviews of episodes of the classic cartoon of the modern comic book that's still running to this day and so on that was going to be the point of Cobracast, Cast uh, and it was but it was going to come from obviously as I like to do often from the villains perspective you know. Got to live like a supervillain, right? Or you want to live like a supervillain? I do. <laughs> so, anyway, um, that was going to be the gist, and it was going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the thing is, it wasn't supposed to just be G.I. Joe, it was actually supposed to be about the larger Hasbro verse that I think Paramount was going to be putting, you know, was going to be doing, there was going to be movies for a bunch of different properties. There was going to be movies for uh, Mask. There were going to be movies for Rom, The Space Knight. There were going to be movies for Micronauts. And there were going to be new movies for G.I. Joe, which there had already been two movies. One of them, ironically, actually, you know, talk about everything kind of coming full circle. One of them starring The Rock, right? The, the sequel to the 2009. Uh, I, in fact, I love, was that Steven Summers? I loved the first Rise of Cobra the 2009 GI Joe movie. I mean, I mean, I love it. Like, it's a fucking great film. V- totally true to the comic books in a very real way. I would have liked someone else playing Baroness, but whatever, it was fine. So I was. Um, anyway, where was I going with that? Right. So there was going to be new movies and all this stuff. Oh I, yeah, I said that. That right. The, the Rock was in the second GI Joe movie, which he was was the main character. Um, anyway, I was going to do this whole thing, and it was going to cover the entire Hasbro verse, which I figured was going to be like the new hot property, right? You know, the new big franchise, much like Star Wars or Star Trek or Game of Thrones or whatever is going to be something like that. Well, it turns out that, again, I think it was Paramount. They have entirely dropped that. And not only that. So they've dropped all of their movie plans for all of these for this 80s toy line universe movie universe that they were going to create. They dropped that, and also IDW, the comic book company, which was kind of spearheading a lot of this. They were doing the entire comic book run for G.I. Joe, uh, honestly Transformers, and Micronauts and Ron the Space Knight and Mask and so on. They were doing this whole comic book run. This, They were creating their own little Hasbroverse universe. They have also canceled that. In fact, they're going to completely reboot the Transformers comics. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do, uh, but it's a shame because I was really enjoying what IDW was doing, but I can't do, I mean, I could, but I can't exactly do like a weekly podcast series series. Based upon something that isn't going to have like new material and honestly quite a bit of it. Um, so CobraCast wasn't canceled because I didn't have the time. CobraCast was canceled because honestly the plans for the Hasbroverse were canceled by both the movie industry as well as the comic book industry. It's 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 over. So it's not something that like I could see it maybe being a monthly series or something that I would do for kicks. But my idea with CobraCast was that it was going to be, I mean, like I, I was going to get sponsors, you know, toy line sponsors and so on and whatever. And it was going to be a really big deal. But I was going to talk about it again from the angle of Cobra, uh, you know, kind of kind of do my usual mixture of fiction and nonfiction that, you know, where, where the, the lines kind of blur, which a lot of people enjoy, certainly with, uh, with Sovereign Tech. And uh, but that, you know... <sighs> it's on the back burner if something serious ever happens because i'm a huge gi joe fan uh if something ever happens with that in the future where there there's something that i could like has that has traction that i could make a podcast around um i really would and i i'd want it to be something where you know yeah it could end up leading people to listening to sovereign tech and who knows it might end up creating a bunch of anarchists out of that whole shit but anyway this leads me to my other order of business here at the beginning uh, of the episode. We'll we'll get into, you know, a question or so, but uh but I I really do want to talk about this. Um so I made a post if you didn't see it yet. Um there is a post on actually on Patreon um that has to do with Honestly, the future of Sovereign Tech, and that's the way that I, I posited it. Now, you can find this post very easily when you go to page, when you go to the Sovereign Tech Patreon site. You can just go to SovereignTech.com if you want. Um, it's only for patrons to vote on because I consider patrons to be executive producers. Now, if you listen to the Relationship Rhombus show um, that I put out uh, yesterday, as of this record, or yeah, when this will get released, it'll be yesterday. Um, If you go to that or if you listen to that, you heard me talk about it a little bit. And what it is, is that I have been considering based upon certain research and data that I've collected that. I think we're going to have Sovereign Tech Prime go back to I was thinking about having it go back to being one hour now, I've talked about this recently, I think it was in a live Q&A hangout on Patreon that I also talked about it, Um, but. You know, the more and more I was thinking about it and the more and more I was looking at it, it, it really seemed like, OK, now, yeah, this is this this really might be the way to go. So a lot of you um have already or a few of you have already voted, I should say, not a lot of you, but a few of you have already voted. It looks like the votes are in. I'm still going to give it time. You're going to get a two hour episode this week. Don't worry about that. Um, I'm I'm you know, when I plan out the one hour version of Sovereign Tech um, and I'm still chewing on that, Uh, I will, you know, I'll. I'll figure this out as far as what that's actually going to look like. So but I'm so I'm not going to decide yet. But those of you that have voted, um, it is largely I mean, by a wide margin, the vote right now is that is to go to a one hour version of Sovereign Tech. There were a couple votes for keeping it at two hours um, and a couple arguments made because people were commenting underneath. In fact, I might read one of those. Um, I just want to do a little bit of the chop talk here. Like I said, we'll get into a couple things in a second. Uh, You know, we'll get into a question actually about a very interesting little piece of hardware uh, and we'll go on from there. But anyway, I do want to talk about this. So with the you know, what's going to happen if Sovereign Tech goes down to one hour? The main there will be no change as far as Patreon, everything that's planned, just about everything that's planned with Patreon is going to continue as is. So you're still, in my opinion, and you can tell me if you disagree, if you don't think you're getting value out of what you put into Patreon, if you don't think you're getting value out of what I release on Patreon, you tell me, Okay, I mean, really make the case with me. And I will consider it. Believe me, I take it very seriously. Like I said, I consider patrons of Sovereign Tech, anybody financially invested in the show. I consider executive producers. OK, you have say, in my opinion, even though the, the gist that I got from most of you in response to my poll of should we take Sovereign Tech uh, prime episodes down to one hour was that, hey, look, we just we trust you. We trust you know what you're doing and, and that, that you'll make it you'll make it hot pretty much is what people were saying. So, and I appreciate that trust, but I do like to hear from you and I do want you to have some say, because again, you are, even if it's just a dollar a month, which is the bulk of, of what people donate or what people uh, put into Patreon, even though there's, there's plenty of you that put in much more, um, you know, like even in that you're, you're still, you're financially invested in this and you're trusting me with it. And so I want to talk to you about it and I want you to have say in it. Okay. Um, anyway, So, well, I want to read some of this here, but nothing's going to change with Patreon. Um, The Prime episode would just scale back to would scale back to an hour, which a lot of people do forget. And I mentioned this on Relationship Promise. A lot of people do forget that CyberTech originally was only an hour show. Um, in fact, some of its most popular episodes were only an hour. You know, it was like that for for, for a while. And eventually it just turned into where it kind of exploded into, you know, being a two hour show, just sort of organically. Um, but originally it was meant to be an hour show. So it's not like this is something, you know, that that Sovereign Tech hasn't gone through before or that it hasn't been before. Um, and I do think that this will help out with focus. Um, as I explained in the post, again, please feel free to go and vote more or make your case, you know, I, I really welcome your feedback, whether your feedback is, uh, that you want the two hour show to continue, or if you want it to cut back to an hour or whatever. Okay. I want to hear from you. Um, like I said in the post, I mean, cutting out an hour of, of Sovereign Tech Prime will actually save me around, if not more, honestly, around eight hours a week. Okay. Of, of prepping and planning and research and everything that I do for Sovereign Tech. Okay, so cutting on an hour of that will really, you know, will save a lot of time. And that's time that can get used for other projects, okay, be it books, video game sequels, uh, you know, Patreon content, even, and so on. And one of my hopes actually is, is that if there are people who really do, like, holy shit, they want two hours of Sovereign Tech every week, maybe this will finally convince them to become patrons. And you know, and, and, and then they can get obviously almost daily, uh, content from me now. Uh, I mean, look, I want to make money doing this. Okay. I really do. And it, it, you know, and with Patreon, I love the Patreon content I get to do. Um, I love that whole model. And so I would just love to have, you know, way more listeners, you know, involved in Patreon, for a variety of reasons. I mean, there's the community aspects of Patreon. There are the shows that I am enjoying doing, you know, user podcasts, game talk and so on. Uh, Star Wars update, which I love doing. Star Trek update, which I have plans for. You know, all kinds of things that are just really enjoyable to do and are are more focused in and of themselves. To where, yeah, I, I just I'd love to have more people on board with that and 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 allow me to do bigger things with that kind of content, with the Patreon content, which eventually, you know, can become more public content. But patrons obviously make the wheel go round and round and, you know, get get way much earlier access. Like if I ever release user podcast more openly or at least some episodes more openly, that wouldn't be for another six months to a year. You know that I do that because I would want a corpus of work that I would be showing uh, people and then hopefully that would make them patrons as well. But I mean, you're going to you know, if you want access to this and you want to be, you know, in knee deep in the ideas and theories being forwarded on that show, you know, you got to be a patron. Otherwise, you got to wait a fucking year, you know, and so. Anyway, these are just some of my random thoughts that I'm putting out to you, Uh, but let me read. I I just want to read a couple from the post, you know, some of the feedback that I got um, about uh, from the poll for should we, you know, are we going to scale back, even though I would say we're going to make the show more focused, are we going to scale back to an hour for Sovereign Tech Prime? Here's one. Um, I look forward to two hours of, this is a longtime supporter of Sovereign Tech. I'm really honored by his feedback. Um, I look forward to two hours of Sovereign Tech each week. I feel like it is a good chunk of time for you to say what you got to say, and i miss it when it is absent however if you really believe reducing that to an hour will help the show in the long run then i'm gonna have to trust your judgment i can tell that you've been having some difficulty meeting your usual schedule so i'm not surprised you're looking to change things up uh i'm gonna comment on that quickly yeah there there have been i've switched the release day to sunday already um and just there have been some things going on where like i haven't been able to to keep up and it really i mean it's it's uncanny for me i mean because i've been doing this for almost you know for pretty much seven years now or going on seven years and i mean i was it was released on saturday i mean maybe once a year i would have a show that would end up getting released a day or so late um but i mean i was on time you know i was like a you know it was like a clock uh and it's just it's been a little bit of a challenge lately but anyway um Yeah, I mean, I don't – cutting it back to an hour, that might help out with timing as well, but regardless, I just wanted to comment on that, that, yeah, I'm fully aware. Like, this week's episode, I don't think, came out till Monday night. Um, This week's episode should be out on Sunday, no problem, uh, because I – well, I kind of don't have anything going on this weekend except for a shit ton of work. So – which has really been the story of my life for a little while now. Uh, so let's see. So going forward, we could potentially be aiming. This is reading uh, the comments. So going forward, we could potentially be aiming for one hour Sovereign Tech Prime on Sunday. How focused will this be? So that's one question. Uh, another question. Will audio theater be reduced or removed entirely? What segments will remain in the show? And is an hour enough time to cover said segments? Perhaps the show could have a regular rotation of segments each week. Don't know what effect that would have on listeners. Also, I know two hours can be intimidating, but I've heard that YouTube's audience tracking stats are showing long-form content becoming popular. I reckon an, uh, an hour is still considered long-form. I say go with the hour because it sounds like the loss of that hour equates to greater gains in other ways. And yes, it does. In my opinion, that's what it's going to shape up to: is that it will end up in you know greater gains in other areas. Okay, uh, that are just as important, just as exciting, in my opinion. Um, and so on. So, but I want to answer some of these questions, at least what I can answer, uh, because I'm still kind of chewing on what a one hour sovereign tech is going to look like. Um, so, uh, you know, how focused will this be? Uh, it's going to be tighter cause there's still going to be segments. Okay. And the idea, this is, this is actually an idea I have toyed with in the past where on certain, on certain weeks, you know, on one week you have, you know, hack sack story of the week. Something about VR and then Wildcard. Then the following week you have Story of the Week, you'd still have HackSec, but then maybe you'd have the, you know, uh this week's online review, then you'd have like a pick of the week and you'd have you know, you'd shake up the segments each week, like that there'd be something different. Um that might end up being the case, but my thought right now is that I would hone it down to where I mean, like the important messages segment hasn't been taking off as much on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes as it still does fairly well on Patreon. So that's one that, that maybe could be removed, you know, and, and I could, if I get a really great question into the show, I could just, you know, uh, on a lark for Story of the Week or something, I could do the question. So there'd be f- the foreplay, well, what I probably would do is, is I'd go Story of the Week, there'd probably be no foreplay. It would just be Story of the Week, it'd be hacksec I love and everybody's loving the online review of the week so I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Uh or this week's online review. Um you'd have that 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 and then maybe we'd have the climax, you know, and and it would be tightened up um in that way. And the climax would likely end up just because I haven't been able to really consume a lot of new content and the new content that I have consumed. Generally, I will just do a Patreon show about it, like say Voltron Legendary Defender or Castlevania season two or uh, whatever's going on. I, you know, maybe sometimes I would get in a movie review or something, but I've been honestly like I, I'm going to go see Creed two, but I I have been so disillusioned with with a lot of modern films and it's not because I'm some kind of fucking hipster. Uh, it just they all kind of seem the same. Like there's not a whole lot there. There haven't been a whole lot of films to, you know, really excite me, uh, in, in that, in that way. Um, where I'm like oh yeah we got to talk about this we got now I could talk about old movies all day long and maybe I would continue to do so because there's plenty that I haven't talked about certainly on the climax but the climax would be where like the interesting things might be able to come up say like talking about history uh you know or some kind of mystery along those lines or talking about the stranger shit and I think it's a better fit for it to be there anyway so that's kind of the idea with that um will the audio theater be reduced or removed entirely Okay, this is where things get a little strange Um, for right now. okay, and I'm just saying for right now, for right now, I am not going to be adding in audio theater. You're still going to get your episode 300, but you're not. I'm not going to be adding in audio theater into the show. I'm not going to say for this for the foreseeable future, because there is a point in the future where I see it coming back. But for right now, it's on hiatus. Let's just put it that way. Okay, Um, it has to be for scheduling time constraints and other people's availability and so on. It's just something that that kind of has to be paused. It doesn't mean it's not going to come back. Okay, just like the Sovereign Tech newsletter and a lot of other things, they are going to come back. But um, right now that, you know, yeah, (laughs) it's I mean, because part of the goal here is, you know, is to get with a one hour Sovereign Tech is to get new listeners in. OK, like bring in new people is to make the show palatable to, you know, you know, again, to people that wouldn't mess with a two hour show. And I think there are a lot of people who feel that way. I agree. I, I mean, and actually, I think Apple's podcast statistics that they've released said that the average like listen time for an episode or something that that people want is actually over two hours. I get that. But I think that that's kind of skewed information because I think that that skews towards people who are like heavily invested in a certain podcast, okay? That's about a certain topic or something, or hell, it might be skewed to some of like the major podcasts, like Joe Rogan, uh, Adam Carolla, or No Agenda. You know, and all of those run two hours and change, or even this week in tech or something. Like the big, the big, big podcasts run at that. But then everybody's talking about the big, big podcasts, and they're also far more like their content alone is more palatable to a broader audience, as to where Sovereign Tech has a very niche. I think people, even though our list listener numbers are great uh, by comparison, certainly to other podcasts, um, it's a very niche message, shall we say. And I mean, I think it's an important one and I think it's a good one, but it's a niche one. And so I think that a lot of the statistics around. Or a lot of the analytics around what people listen to is heavily skewed by some of by like the podcasts that have either hundreds of thousands or literally millions of listeners. Um, so I don't know how much I trust those analytics really, but uh and YouTube YouTube's kind of a different animal too, but yeah, I mean, I like, like, you know, my favorite podcast is security. Now that goes two hours. I can't wait for that two hours, but that's me, you know, and, and security now is already like, you know, is reaching into very much, you know, my, my own passions and my own interests and everything. So Yeah, I I feel like to get new people in, at least for a while, maybe we try the one hour, see how that works out. And look, if I don't feel it, folks, I'm going to tell you and I'll say, you know, we'll go back to two hours and I don't think anybody will complain. Um, But, yeah, I, I, I think that that's anyway to answer the audio theater. It's not entirely going to be removed and there might be elements sprinkled in here and there where it'll just come out as a surprise. But I will have more time. With a one-hour show, again, that can save me up to, if not more than, eight hours a week. I'd have more time to make audio theater, so you might get it you know, interspersed and as a surprise here and there anyway. Um, what segments will remain? We kind of covered that. We talked about all the segments um, and we talked about the rotation. So anyway, so I, I think that addresses kind of those major questions. Um, there are other people. Let's see. Uh, someone said, I agree with the other comments so far. I love the two hour show, but if you think a one hour show will help you grow and get more done, go for it. I do have the same questions as you know, about the audio theater and and segments. Um, and of course, one person actually that commented somebody whose opinion, I, I value i mean I value all of your opinions highly, but this is a, a friend who I, I value his opinion very highly. He says, "Lean and mean, brother, make time for other projects and other passions yeah bingo uh, <laughs> I think you 're right <laughs> as always sir uh, so anyway i'm right now i am i 'm going to give it more time, and like i said if, if really if the two hour vote ends up winning out. Then I'll keep doing two hours. Uh, I care about your opinions like that. But right now, it looks like the one-hour Sovereign Tech Prime is going to win. Um, as far as when I would start doing that, that might not even start till 2019 anyway. Uh, but maybe, actually, maybe you know, it could end up being not this week, but it could be the following week that I'll start doing the one-hour Sovereign Techs. So I'll I'll announce it on the prime show before the week before I actually start doing it. Um, You know, just that way the average listeners also aren't so much shocked. Like, Hey, wait a minute. Is there something wrong with my download? Uh, At least this way they'll know what's going on. So, and, well, anyway, all right, that, that, that's it for that. <laughs> I've already taken up half of the Q&A um, talking about that. But it was, it's an important thing to discuss. We need to get that out there. And I want to make sure, I know not everybody, I mean, you get your you get Patreon notifications in your email or if you have the mobile app, but I know not everybody, you know, checks those or, or sees those or whatever. So I want to make sure that if you just, if the only way you interact with Patreon with the patreon content for sovereign tech is through the podcast and maybe you don't like the relationship rhombus or something i can't imagine why but maybe you don't i want to make sure you're hearing about it because pretty much everybody listens to the Q&A. I know that so i want to make sure you know and that you're hearing about it and that you get the chance to put you know to to have your voice heard okay this is a vote that actually works and matters how about that <laughs> because it has nothing to do with democracy <laughs> Anyway. Um, OK, let's uh, let's let's get into some stuff, you know. All right. So opening this baby up. Um, no, you know what? All right. I'm going to flip the order of this. Uh, I had a few of you actually email me about this. So I have to. I mean, there's just no way I I can't talk about it or, you know, no way I can't not talk about it. And that is um, a laptop called the Pine Book. Now, this is a relative, I think these first started, like, or were announced in 2017 and finally became a reality uh, in 2018. And I do not have one of these, but I fucking want one, <laughs> okay? And I, 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 had, I had missed hearing about this. Now, I knew about what this laptop is based on. And, you know, don't, don't let me bury the lead here. Here's the thing. This is a $99 laptop. Okay, that is that is the major selling point here. What's the second major selling point? It's a completely it's completely open source hardware. Yes, that is so important. Why is that? Because it is. I mean, well, maybe. All right. Maybe the monitor, maybe the, you know, the, the LED screen on it is an open source. I don't know, but otherwise (laughs) it's open source. Uh, I'm pretty sure even that is too, because they put pretty heavy branding on, on as far as the open source nature of this. Um, this is the pine book is based on the pine 64 board. The pine 64 board is a competitor to the raspberry pi and this is really the, to to talk about this now it comes in two flavors okay it comes as an eleven inch uh or eleven point six inch laptop right kind of your netbook style, and it also comes in at a fourteen inch uh uh laptop okay now they're interestingly they're both ninety nine dollars it doesn't matter uh you know, which one you happen to, you know, whichever one you want, you can get either one for ninety nine dollars. You're really just buying into, you know, you get to choose what form factor you want. Now, you these are kind of made to order and you have to sign up. You have to register. If I think of it, I'll put a link in the show notes. You have to register for the Pine uh, book. It's at Pine 64, the number 64 Pine 64 dot org. Um, you have to register there to get in line to even be able to order one of these. Okay. Uh, and I guess they probably do it kind of cyclically. So like I registered for one, um, after I got a few of the questions about it, I guess it was earlier this week or last week, whatever. And, and, um, I still haven't gotten my email saying, "Okay, here's your coupon code to go and order it," because you need the coupon code to, to order one. Now you can buy the Pine sixty four board itself uh, for practically nothing, you know, for like twenty, thirty bucks, something like that. I think it's actually cheaper than the Raspberry Pi. You can order one of those right now, no problem. Okay, but as far as getting the laptop, um, that's you know that you have to you have to get a coupon code for and you know, and then you can order and you can, you can take your pick of either the 14 inch or the 12 inch. So to talk about the hardware itself, why don't we do that? Then we'll get into kind of an analysis around this. Cause I think this is actually kind of groundbreaking stuff. I think this is a big deal. And I think that's why you, why everyone was emailing me about it. If I'd heard about it, because they know that this is, well, let's just say it, this is bringing some sovereign tech dreams to reality. It really is. Um, so to talk about the, uh, the hardware, so you, let's see, we have, again, it's just a Pine 64 board in a laptop chassis. Okay, you know, I mean, that's that's really the deal. Uh, the battery life on it is apparently really, really great. Like, you're getting approximately, you know, closer to 10, between 6 to 10 hours you're getting on this, which is pretty great for any 14-inch or 11-inch uh, uh, laptop. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. So, the CPU, it's a 1.2 gigahertz 64-bit quad-core ARM Cortex-A53 Pretty standard fare. Again, you're looking at it's just a Pine sixty four board. It, it is very it's comparable to a Raspberry Pi or to the latest Raspberry Pi. Uh, RAM two gig uh, two gigs of RAM. Okay, uh, the the memory uh, or the onboard storage is sixteen gig eMMC five uh, It says upgradable to sixty four gig, but I can't find any listing where. I mean, maybe you can buy a 64 gig eMMC and attach it. And it, the usually eMMC memory is soldered onto the board. Okay. Because this is open source, maybe they give you the option to, you can buy a 64 gig eMMC drive and slap that into, you know, onto the, onto the pine 64. That could be kind of cool. Okay. Like if you're, if you're able to do that, but I don't think they sell it to you out of the gate in that way. Not, not that I could tell. Uh, but. Anyway, so 16 gig. I mean, that's so two gig of RAM. Yep, we all wish it was four at least. No doubt about that. I I understand why we all wish that was so. We really wish that. Okay, the the processor itself, yeah, that's pretty standard fare. Nothing really to complain about with that. Um, The onboard storage, yeah, if we can open it up and upgrade it to 64, we're going to want to do that. 16 gig is. Really bare minimum for anything, be it a smartphone or a laptop. I mean, and it's beyond bare minimum; it's almost unusable. Uh, however, uh, I do know that you can you can just as easily, you know, boot up from uh, you know from like a USB drive or whatever on it, and and actually from the micro SD card, you you could boot up from that, and that because it does have a micro SD card slot on it. And then you could just run off of that and you don't even need to use the onboard storage. And EMMC, even EMMC 5.0 is pretty slow stuff, okay? You know, it's not like, you know, you're not running your normal kind of flash drive here or or your normal kind of solid state drive, I should say. EMMC is by nature very slow. So micro SD cards, you know, would, would... do very well for you. And if you've ever used a Raspberry Pi or anything, you know, the kind of speed that we're talking about here, you know, that we're not, I mean, this isn't, this isn't a speed demon machine at all, but I think it has other, other charms to it, which we'll break down into. Um, so it has two USB 2.0 ports. Um, there is no USB 3.0 port, but again, it does have a micro SD card slot. So that makes things interesting. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say it right out of the, well, no, we'll talk about it more when we get an operating systems. How about that? Uh, there is a, I believe an HDMI port. Of course, again, it's a, a pine 64 board. Uh, there's a headphone jack. There is a built in microphone. Um, it does have, now it says in the advertising that it's a full size keyboard. No, it is not. Uh, this is the one thing that I, where I, where this could become a problem. Okay. The, not only now a lot of laptops, especially netbook type ones. And this is true on the 14 inch or the, or the, the, the 11 inch version. But a lot of laptops, to save size, will often shrink the right shift key. I hate that because I exclusively use the right shift key. I, I practically never use the left shift key. Like, never, never, never. It is the most unused key on any keyboard that I use. So this one, though, has both the left and the right uh, shift uh, key shrunk. That sucks. <laughs> I mean, like like that, that is not you know, this is not going to be a journalist dream here. Okay. You're going to either, you know, connect an external, you know, keyboard to do that sort of thing or what, I don't know, but that is not, that is maybe the biggest knock that I would give this computer is that it is abundantly clear just how fucking small, um, you know, those, those shift keys are now, even when you, I, I want to get this out of the way quick. Um, when you go to the website, Uh, I believe, yeah, in fact, right here it says it, that you are getting, (sighs) the screens are weird, whether you get the 11-inch or the 14-inch one. They both say you're getting the 1366 by 768 you know, what do they call that, HD, not full HD, otherwise full HD is 1080p, those terms all get so crazy. Um, That sucks too, that's kind of some knock against it, but I have heard two things. One is that I read a review where somebody got a 14-inch model, the shift keys were not shrunk, and also on the 14-inch model, they ended up with a 1080p screen, not a not a 720p screen. That would make the 14-inch model a little more appealing to me. <laughs> so um, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that, that's a little bit of a roll of the dice. And because of the way that they're doing such slow production, I could imagine between models that there are minor changes. But that's something to keep in mind. It is It could be a little bit of a roll of the dice as far as what you get. But again... You're only paying $99 for a full-on computer here. Um, it does have a webcam built into it, uh, 10,000 milliampere battery. That's why you get pretty good battery life as far as that goes. Um, and it, as far as the operating system goes, you have the choice when you order it to either have it come with some, you get some choice of Linux distro or because it's ARM, you know, an ARM-based processor, it can have Android on it. Uh, Now, I don't know that it has the Google Play Store on it necessarily, but it could have Android. And you can certainly sideload the Google Play Store uh, relatively easy enough. And this is a fairly popular computer already, as I understand it. And obviously, for the price, you can see why. So there's your hardware uh, uh, breakdown. And again, this is not going to be a speedy Gonzalez computer. It is going to be fairly slow. Um, In fact, what I have seen mainly from, uh, from other reviewers as well is that, If you try to watch any video on this, scale all the video down however you can to 720p. Don't try watching any 1080p video on this thing, even if it comes with that. If it's one of the later models that, as a kind of almost a fluke, ends up having a 1080p screen. I'd rather it have a 1080p screen because that allows for greater multitasking, but okay. But I mean, whatever. So yeah, it, it can't actually handle 1080p video, so just don't try. That's not really a huge deal to me. Um, You know, you're not going to be able to open a ton of tabs in Firefox on this thing. Okay. You know, I mean, not not a surprise, whatever. Here's, Here's the thing. Okay. So to talk about this, and that was pretty much the question is, what do I think of this thing? Do I think it's worthwhile? This is really, everything I just said is also true of the Raspberry Pi, but this is really what the Raspberry Pi should be. Okay. I think the Raspberry Pi is, I mean, it's popular with the people that know what it is and what to do with it, sure. But as far as like the idea of, I mean, one of the initial selling points for the Raspberry Pi was, you know, the computer for everybody and anybody. And this way everybody can have a computer, blah, 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 blah. Yep. I get you. But most people, you know, as soon as they realize that, you know, especially if they don't buy it as a kit and you're telling them that it's $35, they think, ooh, $35 computer. They buy one and then it doesn't come with a power supply. And they're like, well, what in the goddamn fuck? You know, what What do I have here? What is this thing? I can't even use this. And that's what I mean by that is that this the, the Pinebook is really what the Raspberry Pi should have been, where it is this ridiculously inexpensive, completely open source laptop. Everything's included all in one. You can start using it as a computer. Away you go, uh, even right down to the fact that the operating system is preloaded on it. All of that in my opinion makes it worth 100 bucks and all of that makes us a far more attractive package than the Raspberry Pi as far as being any kind of general computing device. Now, don't confuse me. I love my Raspberry Pi. I have multiple Raspberry Pis and they do wonderful things for me, okay? But this is exactly this is the kind of thing that we should be having. All right. Uh and as far as this also solves one of the biggest things that I love about it. Yeah, it's slow. Okay, it's slow. We'll we'll deal with that. I mean, in fact, fuck putting Android on there. And yeah, you know, the Google play store is effectively a root kit. So that's kind of a problem. But of course you could go, you know, really, really, you could go what I call, what I now call dark Android extreme. Okay. You you could go that route and this would actually probably run very nicely for you. And you'd be able to do a whole hell of a lot with it. Okay. Uh, Including running the web browser and the web browser would probably run pretty well as far as the Android goes, because it is so lightweight. Um, Or there's Linux distros that are lighter weight that you could probably, do pretty well with okay but uh, they give you the option as far as which one they have installed Um, all in fact you know another all right so while i'm talking about operating systems i want to touch on that quickly this on a micro sd card you could probably you could install tails right the tor operating system you could install tails on here and this would be a badass tails machine I mean, a badass Tails machine. And I think it should work because I think I think Tails three does does work very does work well with arm. Um, so or at least some of the later versions. So, you know, if Tails could function on this and I'll get back to you on that when I finally get one of these damn things. Uh, I mean, this is this is money much better spent than on a PlayStation Classic, which I canceled my PlayStation Classic order. And that's coming out in a few days. Boy, and has everybody else read the reviews? I mean. The, the reviews of the PlayStation Classic, that where they're trying to be positive about it, they are grasping at so many straws, which they shouldn't be using in the first place, right? Save the plastic! No, ooh, sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> the fucking straw thing. Uh, anyway, anyway uh, folks, I take environmentalism, or I take ecology very seriously. Okay, don't, don't confuse me here. Um, just sometimes what environmentalists come up with, like, you're not saving the earth for shit. But regardless of that, so... <laughs> The PlayStation Classic, like the arguments being made for why you should buy one of these, I mean, they're just they're horrible. Like, like they're they're terrible arguments. Most people just have to come out and admit and say, yeah, this is a bad package. You know, don't go go with this. So save your hundred bucks and get in line to order a Pine Book. In my opinion, so there's a lot of options you know to go with here. And for for the dream that it really brings to life is that this is completely open source hardware and i have said for some time on sovereign tech that that needs that is the next thing we have great open source software and it's taken over the world now we got to get the open source hardware okay where we can be you know where we can tinker we can be a little bit more sure of what's going on on that hardware and that way you know whatever authoritarian body uh isn't fucking with our hardware as much as uh, you know you know when they can't with our software so much so this is the right direction this This is this is a good thing to exist. Um, And I think that, well, when I get one, the first thing I want to put on it is audacity. And honestly, if it can handle audacity pretty well, I am going to be a very pleased boy. Like, I mean, this is this could become very much a a real daily driver uh, for me, because, you know, the other thing, too, to understand is that like for me right now, a lot of what I do, a lot of my computing Actually gets done on my NAS, gets done on my network area storage. It doesn't actually get done on the computer itself. Um, So, you know, I really for my own home network, you know, just having a thin client like a Pinebook would be a great thing that can just open up, uh, you know, my NAS in the web browser. Phenomenal. Okay, like that. That's hell. That's all I need, Uh, or not all I need, but it that that takes care of a lot, uh, for me. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. I think this is a great piece of hardware. I think this is a great thing to exist. I think this is better to carry around than a fucking smartphone. Um, I mean, it's effectively a open source, of course, a smartphone, you know, just in a laptop body. Uh, I mean, yeah, it doesn't have LTE, but you could probably add an LTE. I mean, it'd be easy enough, you know, with USB to, to slap in, uh, uh some kind of LTE dongle. But anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's, there's other ways to solve that problem, right? But regardless, yeah, I think this is great. I think this is the exact kind of thing that should be out there. I think everybody should own one. Uh, I think it's wonderful. Um, I think this is the direction computing needs to go. Um, I'm not saying that it's ever going to get there, but for the niche community that gives a shit about its privacy, about having control over its hardware and software and so on, and maybe is leading a slightly more analog life than digital life, I think this is the, this is a, the perfect computer on paper. Again, I need to use it, put it through its paces. Uh, granted, I can be pretty brutal on a machine. I mean, I can be actually I can be really brutal on a on a computer um, and I want to see what this thing can do. Uh, I on a personal level. Now, if I find out that I can get the full sized right shift key and a 1080p screen on the 14 inch model and the 11 inch model, I can't get either. I would go with the 14 inch model. Otherwise, I love the 11 inch form factor. I have been a fan of netbooks. Like, I didn't care about laptops until netbooks became a thing because then it felt like, oh, now this is portable. Now, I'm, you know, I'm down with this. OK, so anyway, I, I just I think this is a tremendous device uh, on paper. I will let you know and do a full review um, when I finally get my hands on one. But I have no idea when the hell that's going to be. Uh, but I didn't want to leave anybody out like here's this exciting new hardware. In fact, the first exciting new hardware I've been able to talk about in a while. Um, I, you know, I want you to know about it and be able to get your hands on it uh, or at least get in line, uh, you know, really to get your hands on it. But keep in mind, I mean, that this is, you know, this is a lower power, very low powered machine, and it's it probably can't replace the average person. At least it's not there yet where it could replace the average person's workflow. In fact, even in their marketing, when you go to the site, it says we do not wish to discourage anyone from getting a Pine book as it is a good piece of hardware. But if you are looking for a device to replace your current work or school laptop, then perhaps it's wise to look elsewhere. Again, it's 100 bucks. You're getting a great deal for that, though. Like I, I think it's amazing that they can sell this for that, and obviously the way they're able to charge only hundred bucks is that they're being very specialized. I think in the manufacturing uh, cycle in the manufacturing process. So anyway, yeah, I I, I love this. I, I think this is a great idea. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it can't if it can't handle audacity. I can't roll with it forever, you know, and and the whole right shift key does make it a little impractical for me to write on it, which is, you know, podcasting and writing are the two main things I do in a very real way. OK, uh, as far as, you know, working. So if you know, if you can't do either of those, it's not so practical to me, but I could still find uses for it when I finally get my hands on it. So anyway, all right, uh, got that out of the way. A link is in the show notes for that. If you want to check that out, get signed up uh, to see when you can get yours. Um, Let's move on to something else. So this actually isn't really a question, but it is an update to a topic that has been a theme, really. Or I should say not a topic, but a theme that has been going on on Sovereign Tech Prime for over a year now. And actually just coming up on over a year because I remember the first time I really started talking about it was not long before, uh, honestly, Superman, the movie, the three hour long version of Superman, the movie, came out on blu-ray they, they did a blu-ray release of the special three hour long version and that was the beginning of november of last year and now we are just about to hit december of 2018 so it's just over a year that when i started talking about this and the theme is is that really the piracy the pirate community has fallen by the wayside and for understandable reasons um it's you know more cost effective and easier uh and convenient to use Spotify, Netflix, you know, go down the list of the streaming service to get your view, your video and music needs. And also you have Kindle Unlimited now, right, with Amazon, where you can read just about whatever book you want. You don't have to pay a dime for it other than the monthly fee uh, for Kindle Unlimited or be a Prime member or whatever. Um, So piracy has really, you know, kind of fallen away. And an interesting thing that I've noticed in doing that is that it's not so much what it really seems to be. What, what I've come to realize lately is that not that piracy, I mean, piracy has fallen away, but it's more torrenting that seems to have kind of fallen the way of the dodo. And I think a lot of that reasoning could be is because you can't really make it's tough to make money off of torrenting, even though I do think at the height of the pirate community that uh, with with cryptocurrency. People were actually making money off of it uh, just literally out of donations and kindness of their heart, right? Like somebody would put up a torrent and they'd give their Bitcoin address within that. And people were making pretty fair money for, you know, just for torrenting stuff. So it's not like people necessarily, you know, feel they have to get stuff for free. Um, They might, you know, they really might just say, uh, you know, they they might donate to you just for for offering it uh, and offering it in a way that, you know, strips DRM or it's something that's really rare that you just can't get any other way, right? Um, like this is a reason that I have been buying soundtracks for a very, you know, for st- I still buy CDs because some soundtracks only end up coming out on CD. They're not even available on MP3 if I wanted to buy them, okay? But this leads to what I want to talk about here, and this is, uh, this is my little public service announcement. I have got a website for you guys and gals and z's, that uh well, you know, the Golden Stallion's got your hookup here and wow. So I, th- I did recently I did a, what was it you need metal supplemental uh, little episode where I covered a bunch of what I had lined up for albums of the week because there were so many that I wanted to talk about. There's no way I'd be able to get to all of them and then still talk about new releases that happen, you know, every week or a couple weeks. Um, like we have the Within Temptation album coming out next week, I think that I'm definitely going to be reviewing. And, I, and I've already heard like three or four songs off of it. This album's going to kick some serious ass. OK, but I'll review it, uh, you know, maybe next week. So in so doing, um, one of the what I found actually when I was doing that you need metal uh, special uh, supplemental special was I found a website and I mentioned the website on the special and it was called or on the on the little Patreon episode and it's called Getmetal.club. Club. Okay, that's the website. That's not what I'm going to tell you about here, but I'm just letting you know. This is the thing. So getmetal.club is a private run website. It looks like it has a bunch of different contributors. It does not use BitTorrent at all. It uses like uh, some of these sites like RapidGator and some, like RapidShare.it and some of these other services where you can you can download it, but it's at a decreased speed, okay, where you can download it for free. And you can only download so many within a day, right? Like, or every hour you can download another one, and it takes about an hour for one to download anyway. Uh, you know, like, it's really limited, unless you pay a certain fee, a uh, monthly or yearly fee, for to this server service, like Rapid, whatever, Rapid Fire or whatever the hell they, they want to call it. Um, or there's one called hotlink.cc, which we'll talk about in a second. You can pay into that, and then, you know, you get not necessarily unlimited, but you get to download things much quicker, and, uh, I mean, it really solves a whole ton of problems, right? Or, you know, it it doesn't have the limitations of the free download. So when you go to getmetal.club, you know, there's, there's new, almost every day, there's new, you know, heavy metal or hard rock or whatever. They have all different genres, uh, but it's all, you know, something with a guitar it, available there, and... You know, you can download them for free and get it slower. Like I said, you can pay the fee for the service that that hosts all of these albums. And then you could download them very quickly uh, and so on. So now I found that actually by, you know, it, it just clicked for me at one point. I don't know if Pirate Bay was down, even though usually on tour it's up and I'll just use it through that. But I was looking for an album that I couldn't even buy on MP3. OK, and I was like, you know what? You know, I know Google has kind of been been hard on, you know, torrent searches within Google itself, but let's just see what happens when I type in, you know, such and such album download, you know, and, and what do I get in the, like, say in a Google search. Okay. Uh, or DuckDuckGo or what, you know, I try a bunch of different ones just to see what would end up coming up. And I do this and that's how I find GetMetal.club Okay. Now the other day, uh, I was looking at there was a new release. Speaking of Superman, this is ironic. Boy, the <laughs> the in, the interweaving threads here <laughs> throughout this whole Q&A, I'm talking about one thing and everything's really related. Um, I was looking for I, had, or what I what I saw was there was going to be a new release from La La Land Records, which is a, a company that that offers a lot of the soundtracks, uh, a lot of rare soundtracks that, uh, you know, I like to get my hands on. And over the years, I've been a customer. So La, La Land Records, they were releasing this Superman 3 and uh, or Superman 2 and Superman 3 kind of deluxe soundtrack set. OK, we're talking about Superman 2 and Superman 3 with Christopher Reeve. Um, often not considered the best Superman movies, but whatever. I mean, the first one certainly is. So anyway, so I was looking at this and and not uninterestingly, La La Land Records did a double disc uh, new double disc set of Superman 4 uh, the quest for peace, which is largely considered the worst Superman movie ever. So anyway, so I was looking at the set and I was reading the, cause I, I go to these websites just to see what they're releasing all the time. And I mean, lately I don't, you know, don't buy anything from them, but regardless, you know, I, I, I'd see what they have available and I'm reading about it and it says, this is a repackaging and reissue of, of the soundtracks for Superman Two and Superman Three from the Superman the Music 2008 box set, I'm like, whoa, whoa what's that? <laughs> you know, what's Superman the Music box set? Like this is this is a wonderful thing. And I look into that, and this is something that came out in 2008, and it covers all of the Superman media released from 1978 to 1988 and they did a big release of it and it's like an eight disc or like an eight or nine, eight or ten I think it's eight yeah an eight disc set that they released in 2008 had no idea that this was a fucking thing and I look into it of course to try and buy it you know it's well out of print and it's a beautiful box set but to try and buy it, it's a few hundred bucks or something like that I'm not going to buy it but I'm like oh boy you know I've bought so many Superman soundtracks over the years. It's like, yeah, you know, I wonder, is this on Pirate Bay? And this was a day where Pirate Bay was down. Um, even on tour, it was down, which has been a long-running problem with Pirate Bay in the past, well, through the latter half of, of 2018. So I, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm I looking this up, and I can't get on Pirate Bay, so I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to try and see, you know, I'm just going to type in Superman the music 2008 box set download in the search engine and see what comes up, and I find this website, and the website is download-soundtracks.com. Okay, that's the website link is in the show notes for this, and they have it. And I'm like, well, this is this is phenomenal, (laughs) you know, great. And so I go there, and it's set up very similar similarly to GetMetal.club. And, you know, I, I get this download going and it's the same deal, except instead of like rapid fire or whatever the hell or rapid share or whatever they 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 want to call it. Instead of that, it uses something called hotlink.cc. And there's, you know, if you get it slower, you can, you know, uh, you can download it for free. You don't have to pay for their, their server fees or whatever. So I go with the slow version. Of course, you know we're talking about an 8-some-odd disk or even like 10, whatever, bunch of disks set, even an MP3, that's a lot. And it's like 1.6 gigabytes to download. So it says it's going to take 12 hours. Okay, save me a few hundred bucks, I'll take 12 hours. (laughs) You know, no problem. And to get my hands on this rare uh, soundtrack collection, you bet your ass I'll wait for that. So I get that started and I'm like, oh, you know, what else does this website have? And I just... I go, I start looking and I start scrolling through and I shit my pants. They have everything. <laughs> Even the stuff that never gets released on MP3. Uh, I mean, all kind, all kinds of shit. Like there's the, uh, in fact, some of these are well out of print from Entrada or La La Land records as well. Like they they had all of the multi-disc sets of the original Battlestar Galactica soundtracks that were like two to four discs pop and they had four volume sets. Now, I mean, you can still buy those. You can go on eBay and you can spend 500 bucks to get all of them. I mean, like, it's crazy. They had the rare Buck Rogers CD from Entrada that was a special collection. They had that available there. They had both uh, the first season soundtrack and second season soundtrack, which is, those are both four disc sets uh, for Buck Rogers there. They have all of, like, the big multi-volume sets of uh, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, they have all the X-Files sets. I mean, the... Th- they've got all hell. They even had the, uh, and this is the one I didn't have. I have like just about every Star Trek soundtrack out there known. Um, but they had the, the, and, and I didn't get this because I didn't know this was necessarily a thing at the time back in 2009 when this came out. But when the 2009 Star Trek film came out, um, not in but Varese Sarah Bond, Ended up releasing a a two disc deluxe edition soundtrack of Michael Giacchino's score for the 2009 Star Trek. To get it now, you're going to hash out anywhere from 150 to 300 bucks. Obviously, I'm not going to do that, and you know, because back in the day, what it cost 30. So anyway, but they had it. Oh fuck! And I've been listening to it for days because because it's great. Now, I, I mean, like just anything you can fucking think of. They've got it just about, you know, like I I was stunned and a little dismayed because for some of these that are available there, like those are really rare. And over the years, not recently, but over the years, you know, I've hashed out some pretty fair money for some of this stuff. And I, I just I'm stunned. So you you want to check this out. And admittedly, like the. So it's worse than getmetal.club where when you download something in one day you have to wait a 24 hour period before you can download something again. Just to download one album. Off of there using hotlink.cc, you could pay for a subscription to hotlink.cc and I think their like their 30 day subscription is like 20 bucks. I mean, I'll tell you with <laughs> The amount of money that that all of these soundtracks cost, uh, twenty bucks, is a fucking steal, and that's saying. I mean that that that's being <laughs> that's an understatement of, of of the the entirety of the existence of the universe if it even had a beginning. Okay, to say that that's worthwhile. I mean they've got it all. They have um, the Mission Impossible box set from the original TV series. That's like. 14 discs, um, they have like the 17 disc Danny Elfman set, I mean, downloading any one of these is worth 20 bucks, but the fact that for 30 days you could get your hands on a bunch of this shit, oh hell, and they have almost new releases every day up there, it is incredible, incredible, this this site is amazing, but it's interesting because this is this is clearly a thing that I wasn't exactly on the pulse on, is that there are a lot of these sites that are very niche in what they offer, but because of that niche, they offer the really deep cuts, right? They offer the really deep stuff, and they're not torrent sites at all, which is also kind of interesting. But I think the reason for that is because this is a way, really, if you want everything that they're offering, this is a way to to make money off of doing it because you have to pay for the uh, you know subscription fee or whatever to the server service that you end up actually using, like Hotlink or Rapid Rapid Share or whatever. Um or what MediaFire is another popular one right even though MediaFire is kind of a big deal now they've become kind of legit <laughs> but anyway you get my point uh and so yeah this is a way for them to make money kind of you know doing this and oh, hot damn <laughs> this is the greatest website on the internet i i mean i know not everybody's as nuts about soundtracks as i am but fuck did this I mean the things I've been getting my hands on, even like some super rare Stargate soundtracks. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of th- hell. There's even like bootlegs and other things. There's there's things I didn't even know existed on there. 40th anniversary edition of uh, of the Flash Gordon soundtrack. Um, I, I mean, it, it is just it's mind blowing, and to finally have those Battlestar Galactica sets. Oh, I was crying, or and the Buck Rogers sets. I tears. You know, like Paul Stanley said from Kiss. Oh no, tears are falling. Whoo. Oh, man. How about that farewell tour, huh? <laughs> the, what do they call it? The final road or some, something like that. Yeah, this is very exciting. So with that said, one of the we, we should get into our album of the week. So kind of a, a very different Q&A this week, but please continue to get your questions in for the Q&As, and we'll, we'll break them down um, in future episodes. So, okay, uh, to, to get to our album of the week, this is actually something that I got my hands on from, uh, from download soundtracks.com. Uh, and this is a new release that just came out from also from Varese Saraband who I mentioned earlier, which I've been buying soundtracks from Varese Sarah since I was a teenager. They just have such great releases. Uh, they always have, they were the first Battlestar Galactica soundtrack I was ever able to get my hands on. Um, I mean, they're just tremendous. So th- this is for a, a two disc deluxe edition re- re- release and I had the original version of this soundtrack that was just a single disc and the sound quality was eh. of the John Williams. There you go. John Williams score for the 1979 Dracula film. Okay. Uh, I love this movie. I'll say that outright. Um, I, I mean, I love this movie, uh, Frank Langella as, as Dracula, you know, Frank Langella, who we've talked about recently on sovereign tech prime episodes, because he played Skeletor in masters of the universe and did a phenomenal fucking job and I mean he had so much fun with that role boy did he kill it uh, Frank Langella is just, just just tremendous and as Dracula I dare say he might be he might pull off a sexier version of Dracula than than uh, Bela Lugosi I mean like really I I think, in fact, this might be my favorite Dracula film. Dracula 2000 is pretty well up there. And, of course, I love Bela Lugosi's performance. I mean, everybody does, or at least, fuck, you should. Um, I enjoy, you know, the one with, you know, Gary Oldman, you know, Keanu Reeves and so on. I appreciate that. Um, But this, the 1979 Dracula film has so much going for it. Now, it is based off of Bram Stoker's novel. It is not a more original take, say, like Dracula 2000 or something along those lines. And it's also based somewhat on the 1924 stage adaptation, whereas where is which is where this gets more of its year, because the year that the 1979 uh, Dracula film takes place in is 1913, if I remember correctly. So uh, directed by uh, John Badham, and it just just a fantastic job as far as that goes. Uh, Of course, you also have Lawrence Olivier really at the, at the top of his game uh, playing uh, Van Helsing uh, within this and his performances. I mean, it's Lawrence Olivier. What the fuck do you expect? You know, uh, and uh, Kate, uh, Kate Nelligan as, as Lucy uh, does a tremendous job. I mean, everybody involved is great. Oh, well, anyway, (laughs) I could keep going on about the movie, but, they did shift the 79 Dracula a little bit to where it, it's meant to be more of a dark romance, where it's meant to be, you know, like a sexier film, which is why I really appreciate it. Even though, like I said, I think Bela Lugosi's uh, Dracula was plenty sexy. Um, this is that you can really tell that they were shooting for romance with this. And there are some wild stuff that happens, like the specific weddings, uh, the wedding night sequence. If anyone that's seen this movie remembers that, that's pretty wild. Um, but to talk about the album of the week, which is actually the the new two disc uh, remaster of the soundtrack for this movie, you know, let's let's break into that. Um, what a sexy what a what a sultry fucking score by John Williams. Not only that, but there are a lot of cues when you listen to especially the two disc version. Um, I've listened to the single disc version since I was a kid, frankly, or, you know, since I was younger anyway, since I was a teenager. But When you listen to the two disc version, you know, honestly, and and I don't think I notice it so much because I just get so engrossed in the movie when I watch it. And I've watched this movie many times. Again, I think it's very, very sexy, very romantic, Um, even though it is technically a horror film. And I usually don't like horror. I think vampires is kind of a different different subgenre. You don't even call vampire movies, movies, horror movies, really, because there is such a sexy element to it. It's something else. So. Anyway, uh, when you listen to the, the soundtrack, especially Raw, no movie, there's a lot of cues that, you know, this is just before or concurrent with perhaps some work that he was starting to do for The Empire Strikes Back. You know, John Williams, of course, known best known probably for scoring the Star Wars movies as well as Indiana Jones there are a lot of cues in this score that sound very much like stuff from star Wars. You're in fact, you, if you didn't know better, like you would think that you were listening, you, you could almost believe you're listening to a star Wars soundtrack. Uh, it's that much like it. I mean, this is John Williams literally at the top of his game. He is coming off white hot with, you know, with scoring a new hope, um, you know, jaws. I mean, a whole bunch of films that were just, that were a huge deal at the time. Um, and, and so you're getting the master doing what he does best. And I think part of it is, is that a lot of the cues within this score, he would end up reusing in other things because this movie, the 79 Dracula is largely a forgotten film. Like most people don't think about it much. And certainly if you talk about vampire movies, I've other than by myself, I've never heard anyone else ever bring it up. And which is a shame because I, I argue it's the best Dracula film ever, you know? And I, I think it's really that great. I mean, like the ending, I mean, I'm gonna give. Look, I mean, it's a Dracula film. Like you don't know how the shit's gonna go. Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm spoiler alert, folks. Okay, the ending where you see Dracula's cape kind of going off, and then you see Lucy, who you think is back to normal because you know everybody thinks Dracula's dead. Blah blah blah, and so now Lucy's been rescued from her fate of becoming a vampire. I mean, this is a very similar story that you see in a you know your average Dracula films. When when Lucy sees the cape kind of going off and she just has this this really like just this enigmatic smile going for her, right? I mean it kind of sexy. Like you know that she knows, or it's hinted at anyway, that Dracula survived and that Dracula's actually still alive, and she's fucking happy about it. You know, it's like fuck you, Jonathan Harker. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, I I I I just I remember the first time I watched it and I saw that I'm like, oh, that's fucking hot, you know, because like it ends where the villain kind of wins. I mean, that that's that's the beautiful thing about this uh, is that really the villain, you know, Dracula, Dracula is the villain. I would argue he's the hero. But if Dracula is popularly the villain, popularly considered the villain, the the villain wins in this movie and, you know, and gets the gal. Right. (laughs) Fuck. Yes. (laughs) This is great. Uh, So such a such a sexy film. And the the soundtrack lives up to all of that sexy i mean it, it really does uh there's so many great tracks in it uh finally they kiss i think is one of the tracks uh, which you know and there's the the wedding sequence track and so on i mean it, it man you know <laughs> john williams he can set those pants on fire can he yeah <laughs> So that is our album of the week. Um, Of course, I would say, you know, normally you'd have to actually go to either Entrada or Varese Saraband, their own websites to get the two disc. And, you know, because it's not available as an MP3, you'd have to go to their websites to actually buy the CD. But, hey, you can I got your hookup. You can go to download dash soundtracks dot com and. Rock and roll, baby! Just look for Dracula. This is a fairly fresh release on their part, so so it comes up pretty quick when you're searching through their site. But uh, but yeah, you, you can just type it into search, and you know, and away you go. So anyway, okay, that's it. Uh, and if you've never seen the movie, for fuck's sake, watch the movie. Uh, in fact, you can get the Blu-ray. I think for a song right now. I mean, for well under twenty bucks, you can get the Blu-ray of it if you want that. I doubt that's ever going to get a four K release, but you never know. Um, but yeah, watch this movie. I mean, really, Frank Langella and 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 Lawrence Olivier both just tremendous uh, in this. I I think it's such a fun film and sadly so forgotten. I don't, I don't know why it's forgotten. Like I don't know why nobody thinks about it. But I thought it was t- tremendous. And the soundtrack, the soundtrack will get you going, baby. If you love, especially if you love vampire shit. I mean, you are you are in for a real treat. Uh, or you know, if you're just a Star Wars fan. Get the soundtrack for that, because treat it like a lost Star Wars soundtrack. Believe me, when you listen to it, you'll you'll notice you'll be like, oh, yeah, that wow, that does sound like Star Wars, <laughs> which is interesting in and of itself. So and I don't know how I didn't really put that together before uh, personally. But anyway, all right. That is it for your Wednesday Q&A, the last Wednesday Q&A for November 2018. Of course, there are still more episodes, more content to come out for November, even though we only have a few days left. Um, but that's it for this one. I will see all of you. Whoo. Woo on the other side.